How's that? Is that on now? All right, now you can hear me. I have a soft voice, and I hate repeating myself. My wife likes me to repeat myself all the time, so hopefully if I put the mic on, I don't have to do that. That'd be good. So um, I want to start with a testimony. Uh, a few years ago, I think it was now, a pastor asked me to preach, and after I was done preaching, I went in the back, I was talking to some people, and uh, a man said to me, so, you like to preach? <laughs> and I said, no, I hate it. And at that moment, maybe it was, from what I said at that moment, it just kind of played through my mind again and again. I, I started saying, why, why, why did I answer I hate to preach? Because I like to preach. I hate to preach. I like to preach. I could see there was two sides to me at that point. And I could see that I was operating, when he asked me that question, right away on the side that said, no, I hate to preach. Because that's not me. That's not my personality. That's not who I was you know, born to be and all that. That's not the, the what I'm, you know, my ego and all that. It's like, no, leave me alone. Get me out of that. And then I realized that I, I love preaching. But at that moment, I already switched out of my, my mode to love preaching to walk in me, to walk in myself. You see, I, I realized at that moment that I'm a switch. You know, I can say, okay, the things of the Spirit are here. The things of my desires are here, and I can turn it off and on. And I've been doing that all my Christian life for like, what is it, 40 years or whatever. So I can do the mission, get out there and do the job. I had done a lot of godly things in my righteousness. I could see the difference, and that was a helpful thing. And I, and I want to start everything I say today, because if you miss that, excuse me a minute as I get this repositioned and hit the off button and everything else i got to do. Okay, I'll try that. If, if you miss that point, I think you, you'll miss the whole message, because my message will sound like any old message you've heard before, but I want you to keep those things in mind that you too can be doing your Sunday school or leading music or all the, you know, working on the board, whatever, all the different things. I actually worked, I think, every position in the church. And yet, I remember at one point talking about the things I had done. And we were moving on to other things, other things that God was leading us into. And I remember kind of making a comment, something about. Everything behind is kind of like what Paul said. You know, those things are behind. I, I count them as dung. Even though there are all these works for serving God, I didn't count them. I just didn't see them really being, you know, right. There was something missing. So I bring the challenge tonight to understand your switch and realize, are you walking in the Spirit? Now listen, this is something that I use to discern what is the Spirit and what is not. We were singing that Sweet Hour Prayer song. When you're in that attitude of prayer, and it's almost like 
<laughs> nothing else is going on around you. You just focus on the attitude of prayer and you're talking to God with your spiritual eyes and your spiritual being. That's a spirit moment. That's the Abba Father moment. You can cry. Your spirit is testifying with God's spirit. You, you are in agreement there, and you can kind of understand this is the spirit of God working in me. If you could maintain that all the time, that's like walking in the spirit all the time. See? And when you read it in the book of 1 John, where it says, I think it's chapter 3. I have it written down here. I'm going to start looking at a few things here. Um, in 1 John 3, 9, it says, Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. You know, there's people that have this strange doctrine. They say, oh, I don't sin. It's like, well, they're probably taking this a little out of context because they're forgetting the fact that you still have an old nature, and you go back and forth, and you go into the old nature, and you do sin in that old nature, and that's why we confess our sins, and he's faithful to just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, as we find in chapter 1, okay? So, with those things in mind, I want to consider some things in Hebrews chapter 5 to start with. Before we go, you don't even have to turn there, but I'm going to refer to a few things, and then we're going to actually get into Galatians. So, with that in mind, let's pray, and then start with the message here. Father, we thank you for working in our lives, helping us understand how to abide in Christ, uh, helping us, Lord, to just uh, walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit. And I thank you for these truths, Father. I pray now that you would uh, give me clarity to bring forth these words, not only with my physical tongue, that I don't mumble a lot, but that I'd be clear and people could understand what I'm saying, as well as the spiritual sense, Father. Please give me that ability to bring forth the spiritual message here, Father, that would touch our hearts, our souls, our spirits tonight, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. In Hebrews chapter 5, as I read there, it says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I see the word exercise, I see discern, I see reason of use. I see something that's going on there, and this, the whole idea of strong meat, you know, but strong meat belongs to them. This is an area that you can look at and kind of struggle with and say, what does that mean? What is strong meat? When you go down to Hebrews 6, 9, um, down there they start talking about getting beyond the basics of getting saved and baptized and having a heavenly assurance and how to live and so on. Right, right down there he goes into how to live actually. Okay, so let me back a little bit. The basics that you find in Hebrews 5.14, the basics it's talking about. Let's, let me turn my Bible open here so we can just see some of these things. Hebrews chapter 5. The very end of that chapter in chapter 5, it says, But strong meat belong to them that are of full age, even those who are by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And then it goes into chapter 6, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on to, to perfection, not laying again the foundations of... And here we have the basics of foundation, the foundational things that we're going to leave beyond. We start with the first one, the doctrine of... Um, Foundation of repentance. Repentance and faith. 
Now, I hope you know, all of us in this room have a, come to a place where we realize that repentance towards God and the faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ is the most important step in our lives. We become a new creature. If we realize we're sinners, we turn from that sin. We turn to God and we say, oh, God, I'm a sinner, and put our faith in him and say, I believe what Jesus did for me on the cross is the only payment that will make me righteous with you. If we have taken that step, if we've come to God by faith in Jesus Christ and him alone, we can get that new spirit that I'm talking about here that I realized I could turn off and on. I could follow that spirit or I could go back to myself. We are a two-sided being, right? And you, un you understand, I can see a lot of nods, you understand, you live there. This is our daily experience. It's like, how can we, we be, uh, you know, churchy, we get to all the godly people here, we go home and we're like, we're cranky. It's like, <laughs> you flipped the switch, okay? You forgot who you are in Christ. And that's the thing, that's what we have to exercise ourselves to, exercise. It takes a strength, not a physical strength, but it takes a strength within us to exercise ourselves to walk in that spirit, that mode of operation where when we're praying to God with the Abba Father, we stay in that mode of operation, no matter what's going on. Now, here's a little exercise you can do on your own. When you get into those aggravating situations at home, it's like, okay, I see where I am. I see I do this. I go to Psalm 16, verse 3, and it talks about committing our works unto the Lord that our thoughts may be established and when I pray that to God, he puts me back on the right track. I get on the right track and I realize, okay, I'm diverging a little bit here. I need a little bit of comeback. And God brings me back to focus who I am in Christ and how I should be thinking and addressing the situation I'm working in. Okay? So Hebrews brings us to the idea of exercising and, and, and moving forward into a life uh, for Christ, not just the basics of salvation. Um, it talks about, you know, baptisms and the different things you do to get into the, the work of, of the, the family of God. But then after that, Hebrews moves through a few more things before it gets into living, brotherly kindness and the different things of following God in a close relationship. That is more of the meat. How we live our lives as Christians is, is what we need to focus on. Not just some catechism thing of, you know, how is a person saved or whatever, you know, the mechanics of things, but move on to how are you going to live and walk in the Spirit. So with that said, uh, Timothy is a good example. Timothy in the Bible, Paul talked to Timothy in the letter of, of 1 Timothy, and I'd say that is the most godly book in the Bible. The word godliness is used more in that book than any other. He talks about, again, exercising himself. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, he says to exercise himself. Let's look at 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 as again, using that word exercise and see why it's being used and so on. 1 Timothy chapter 4. So he's addressing Timothy, and, and, and a few times in here he's talking about this idea of godliness in, in their lives. And at this point he says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself, exercise thyself, rather unto godliness. Okay? 
For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. You see, God wants us to be prosperous, profiting, you know, and taking care of our bodies is important. Don't throw it out. That's very important because that temple needs to be cared for. It takes a lot of doing things right to take care of this temple. But he says, our godliness, which is a piety, a certain doing of works to please God in, in, a, in a holy framework, trying to please God in our, in our godly living. And again, like I said, we can do godliness, but you could be missing the whole mark of, is it in a spiritual frame? Are you doing the godly actions in a kind of a physical plane? Like, yeah, I'm going to go do my lessons now. I'm going to go do my whatever. Are you walking in that spirit, in that godliness that's being done? And again, you know, you can see, when you're walking in, in, in the actions that God wants us to do, like the church things, we can even detect at that point, am I walking in the spirit or am I walking in the flesh? Now, like for me, for example, preaching up here, is a very difficult thing because my switch goes back and forth all the time. It's going like spiritual, and then I get lost in my mind, like, where am I? What am I doing? So it's like going from the thing of total fear in front of this group of people to, wow, I've got the greatest privilege on the face of the earth to bring forth God's word. It says in the Bible that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, God gives me the ability to be his prophet speaking forth his word here. And we can, you know, all be prophets as we hold to that testimony of Jesus and bring that to a lost world and say, hey, are you born again? Do you know Jesus as your personal savior? And we go and tell them that Jesus Christ is coming back and we're going to be in a heavenly place and we talk about things that are going to happen because the word says it. we are prophets by that spirit, you see? So, we, so like I said, you know, even me doing something that's so spiritual as preaching, I have to exercise myself to walking in the spirit as I'm doing even this, you see? I want to bring it tonight eventually <laughs> to a, um, a, a passage in Galatians, one that we do all the time, Galatians 1. The title of my message tonight is Ye That Are Spiritual. I'm talking to a group here that are you know, involved in the things of God. And one of the things that I experienced as a young man doing a lot of work in the church, um, I got to a point in my life where I was serving God with everything that was possible to be doing in the church and, you know, doing the full-time job and raising my family and whatever. And I remember getting to one point where I forgot the greatest commandment, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm doing lots of godly things here, but I'm forgetting my Savior in all this busyness. It was kind of a sad situation to, to realize that, but a good thing to realize that. You know, you can get lost in all the work, but man, put it aside. You know, it's like a Mary and Martha situation, you know, who chose the better. Get at the feet of, of Jesus and just spend some time there. And to learn to not only spend time in that prayer, but to get up from there and to walk in the Spirit after you've been abiding in the Spirit, you know, living in the Spirit, just walk in that Spirit, move forward. There was a story I was reading, uh, some of this stuff. I went over to the program over here 
that we were offering, the HOPE program, and I wanted to see what was going on. I felt uh, I wanted to see if there was anything I could do with the program, being a helper or whatever. And the first day I was there, they said, we're starting a new program, 12 weeks. And I looked it over, and, and I got the sheet to show all different types of addictions and things people might have. And I thought, okay, well, there's one here that says anger. I guess I could check that off a little bit, not a real big deal. But yeah, I definitely do have that. And I go down, it's like <laughs> nothing else really pertains. And I said, well, I think there's one that's missing on the bottom. It says others down here, other. I wrote self in there. <laughs> I realized I'm addicted to myself first, you know, me first. And uh, that's a scary way to, to be, you know, as a Christian. I think it's something that we all have different degrees that we put aside. But as I look at my, my brethren here, I look at other Christians that I, I deal with, and I marvel how well they put aside self. And um, I'm learning, even at my <laughs> old age as a Christian, I'm learning how to put self aside more and more. So that's, I think, where this message is coming from, where it's going. But there was a woman that was in a program like this that we offer, and um, she was a new convert, and she was going to the program faithfully on Friday nights, and then there came a point where the leader said to her, why don't you come to church? And she said, well, I don't have a dress. And he says, don't worry about that, just come, you know. He says, no, no, I want to get this dress, and then I'll come to church. So as the weeks went by, she was earning money to get this dress, and she got it. So the Sunday morning she showed up, the leader was all excited. She came. She finally did it. But then his heart kind of sank because he saw that the woman's dress was very short, very short, very revealing of her legs, I believe. So he was like, okay, glad you're here. You know, great. Let's move forward. This is good. Wouldn't you know there was a lady after church that nailed her? I mean, she was sitting in church. This poor lady was sitting in church, and she's looking at all the other ladies, and she's trying to pull down her dress a little bit like, uh-oh, I think I maybe made the wrong choice. Wouldn't you know there was somebody that didn't realize the big picture and was a do-gooder and came up and says, you know, and made a big deal about it. Well, she in tears left that church and never came back. You see, that perhaps was not something done in the spirit. You see what I mean? It's like that was done in like uh, godliness. We cannot have that type of thing going on here. <laughs> they missed the real big picture there. That soul was cast away. Who knows what happened to her because of that inappropriate response of that so-called godly woman, that pillar in the church. Now we that are spiritual, I hope we can you know, watch out for those things. And that's why this message is here tonight. We want to watch out for those things that we try to do that we are trying to do the right thing. You know, that woman was upset because her husband couldn't take his eyes off that girl during church. You see what's going on there? There's some man that was really the problem. He should have been walking in the spirit, right? And that reflected onto that poor woman and the lady that was you know, pushed out the door. So all of us, we have to watch our situation and what's going on in our lives like that. So with that warning, let's look at Galatians 6.1, a very simple verse I want to focus on here. I'll try to move through this fairly quickly. I think my time's already, wow. Um, Galatians 6.1. Uh, 
Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And what I want to do, I want to take those verses, that verse, that one verse, and just quickly move through it, expounding a little bit on each one of those words. All right, so you have um, overtaken is to catch in a physical sense. You can catch something and overtake it, or to snare. In, in terms of sin, you can entangle something. Something can be overtaken and entangled. Um, the person that's overtaken is probably feeling remorse, probably feeling isolated, alone, uh, feeling they have suffered some loss. All right. So that's the one that's overtaken. A person overtaken in a fault. What's a fault? Well, we think right away when I see that a sin. No, it's not. I mean, when you look in the di- dictionary for fault under Webster there, it's just a wrongdoing. It doesn't even have to be a sin, all right? This poor woman that came in with a short dress, she, didn't sh- she, she did not sin. She was doing what she felt was the right thing and whatever. So any error or defect innocently committed but causes objection can be a fault, all right? So we, we all have faults, and we see others that have faults. And what this passage is helping us do is to deal with one another and those that come in and so on, how to smooth things out in the right way. So overtaken in a fault, spiritual, those that are spiritual, led by the Spirit, strong in the Lord. Now the spiritual part is what I've been talking about this whole time. Ye that are spiritual, the, ye that are walking in that Spirit, that you realize that spirit in you, and you're, you're walking in that spirit. You that are spiritual, you guys, you're not self-righteous. You've got the Abba Father thing. It says to restore such an one. Restore is to bring back to the former state, right? What did they lose? I mean, it is very vague here. It doesn't tell us specifics because there's so many things that happen. We're the ones that have to be spiritual to see the big thing with spiritual eyes and realize, wow, we need to bring this person back to a former state. And it's not even sin or anything, but there's something that happened in this person, and God can work through us to restore that person. So keep your eyes ready for something like that, your spiritual eyes. The definition, again, in Webster for that, definition number 11, is a whole bunch of things. You go down the list, and it's like, okay, here's 11 to restore. To bring to a sense of sin and amendment of life. That fits very well with this idea of restoring somebody. Maybe they don't even realize that they're in a place that they're offending others. You don't want to come to them and say, hey, you're offending all these, you know, how do you do it? I'll use the word tactful, but... You want to do it in a way that's smooth and not abrasive and not causing division. You want to be able to restore a person in a way that is with the Spirit of God. Not like the example. You find so many examples. You look in the Bible and you say, all right, wow, let's see. David fell into sin and a prophet, thou art the man. (laughs) You know, you want to watch out how the Spirit is leading in in this restoration. In the spirit of meekness, What is meekness? It's a fruit of the spirit, meekness. Submissive to the divine will. I'll say gentle. I'll say also the definition I I like, but it's not always the right definition, but it's that one of controlled strength. And I think that applies when you're talking about a strong person being meek. But one that is not really strong can be 
meek also, and in that sense, it's more of a gentle, submissive to the divine will of God. You know, when a not-so-strong person is submissive to the will of God, they're a very strong person, okay? So that's where meekness might be better defined as that submission to what God wants in that. Considering yourself, right? So view or examine with attention your own self. It's like, all right, I'm going to this situation, and I need to address the situation, and I need God's power and grace in the situation so I also am not tempted. Now, what's a temptation? Each one of us are going to be tempted by different things in different ways, and Pastor Kinney was talking just not too long ago about how certain things do not tempt him. We all have things that do not tempt us. So when it says you also might be tempted, it's going to be something that's going to be like custom for you, custom built. It's like, wow, how did that happen? You know, I, I realize in certain relationships, like with family members, how certain settings, certain setups will bring me to a place of like, uh-oh, this is very potential for words I shouldn't speak or whatever, you know. There's a setup, and I realize there's a temptation in a certain situation that would not be good for me to get into. So it says, you know, consider yourself lest you also be put into a situation that maybe you don't want to be put into right in the middle of something. So I want to conclude this by looking at Galatians 6.2, the very next verse. It says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We had some very good preaching on that as Brother Bill was preaching about his situation with his son and all. But, but here, in the situation of what I'm telling you, bearing another's burdens, you are taking a responsibility there to look at your brother and, again, walk in the spirit and bear a burden. That's the attitude that he wants to put on ye that are spiritual, okay? But he goes on to say, let every man bear his own burden. That doesn't mean we look at that brother and say, well, God says he's supposed to bear his own burden. No. Ye that are spiritual, bear that burden, all right? Do what you can do with the burden. I want to finish with a little story. I was working on this idea. A pastor asked me to preach, and I got some things together, and then I thought, you know, the, the whole reason... Well, it's a long testimony. I won't even get to that tonight. But one of the things in my testimony is, is running, distance running. And uh, I've done that longer than I've been a Christian. Distance running is very dear to me. Um, so with that in mind, there was a brother that, that preached, Cameron Marisi? Menarese, yeah. Never had that last name right, but... Cameron preached a message the day I joined the church about if you have a message, run. And I thought, wow, what a message on the day I'm joining the church because this is something I can relate to. And he talked about the two runners that went to bring the story of Absalom to his, to his to King David, the one that was overtaken and so on. So that, those words, overtaken, you know, that whole thing about overtaken, he overtook the other one by running the way of the plane. And the whole idea of preaching... I used to get nervous when somebody else was going to preach before me because I thought they're going to take my message and then I have to preach nothing. I, have nothing. <laughs> I realize now if somebody else took my message, I would preach mine just the same because just my mannerisms or whatever words I choose to use is going to speak to your spirit and that's where the message gets communicated. So if you have a message, run. So with that said, I remember... 
you know, the whole picture, and I was thinking about different runners, some that had fallen down and gotten up to win the race and things like that, and different people, different names came to my mind. So when I went online, I found a nice story about two brothers that were champions, world champions, and they're finishing up a 10-mile or a 10K race at the end of this, you know, world championship event. It's a, you know, nine-day series and all this and that. But anyway, as they're coming to the finish line, the champion, Johnny, who was all expected to win and all, he starts faltering in the heat. He was overcome by the heat down in Mexico as he's running in this 10K race. And he was losing his ability to focus and see where he was and where he was going and what was happening and just ready to just pass out. And his brother is about 10 seconds behind him watching this champion brother of his falter and, and just about ready you know, to die from the heat there. So he saw his brother go over and lean upon someone that was serving water for the runners to have, and he put his arm around that man to hold him up, and he was ready to collapse. His brother comes up behind and grabs his faltering brother, throws his arm around his own shoulders, and continues to run to the finish line brings him to the finish line, and then throws him across the line ahead of himself. Man, what a picture there. The commentators went wild, like, what is going on? What's this guy thinking? But that man had been in that same situation years ago. He knows how it was to falter. He knew how it was to pass out like that, and he knew how dangerous it was that he would die if he didn't get medical attention right away. And he made a promise to himself he'd never let someone do that, let alone his own brother, who was the champion world champ. He grabbed him from across. Is that a message to us or what? Hey, there's so much spiritual application in that. I just, I just love to see it. I just love to replay that video and to see it and see his comments afterwards and to remember in a spiritual sense, wow, that is a challenge for us in our spiritual life. Amen.